Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Friday, December 28th. We've got the whole gang in the studio for part three of our conversation about 2018 and 2019. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis. I'm joined by Shannon Jones, Jason Moser, and Nick Seipel. Guys, home stretch. Hey, hey. <laughs> I promise we change our clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good thing we're not videotaping. Insane. They don't have the video to prove that. I mean, that's... Uh, so, just as a refresher, if you're coming into this episode, uh, there are two prior where we kind of lay out some major stories from 2018 that we've been following, um, some fun movements with stocks, some new debuts that we've been following, all that kind of stuff. So, you can go back and check that out. This is going to be more of a 2019-focused show. Looking forward, uh, we're going to talk about some stocks to watch, a couple of reckless predictions, and maybe some resolutions to try to better ourselves in the new year. I think we should start things off with stocks to watch. I think that's the most interesting one. That's what the people are here for. Yeah, they want stock picks. Stocks. And I'm going to start with you, Jason. Oh, for stocks to watch. <laughs> what is on your watch list for 2019? What, what are you interested in? Okay, so obviously with with financials, we're paying attention to things like banks and insurance companies and fintech, um, and you know I think I think it's reasonable to believe that we may be headed towards some some more difficult economic times sooner rather than later. So I'm looking at 2019 and trying to maybe be a little bit more defensive. Uh, in in line with that, I'm looking at travelers insurance. Um, now, I, I used to work at Travelers Insurance. I have nothing but good things to say about the company, and I was I was impressed with the business itself. Um, and, and as an analyst, now going through the business, you know, it's done very well over long periods of time, and I think that's for a good reason. I mean, uh, the philosophy there always was, let's just pay what we owe, get this claim done, and move on. And whether you're in homeowners insurance or automobile insurance or boat insurance or whatever, that's really the best course of action. You want to avoid subrogation and drawing out these insurance claims and all these frictional costs that come with that. And so Travelers has always been really good about about just paying what they owe, getting you know moving on. Um, and I think they've done a very good job. Much as I said with Progressive earlier, uh, Travelers has done a very good job of, of maintaining that brand. And there's a lot of brand equity in that red umbrella. People know what it is. And and again with insurance. You may love it, you may hate it, but you got to have it. If you drive, if you own a house, you need health insurance, whatever it may be. I mean, insurance is going to be one of those necessities that we always have to have. And I think that they've done a very good job over the course of time building up a loyal customer base. And that's shown through the financials, uh, very consistently keeping that combined ratio under 100%. And, and I don't, I mean, the stock isn't what I would call cheap today. It's around 1.4 times book value, uh, but it is a High quality business. It's a reliable business, and insurance is a reliable market for the most part. Uh, so we often talk about Berkshire Hathaway and Geico. Uh, we talk about Progressive, or we talk about Markel. I think Travelers is one that's kind of uh, really been missed by a lot of folks here. I don't know why it was never a recommendation in a service because if you own that stock for the past ten years, you have just been loving life. Uh, I think it's a great one to own. I think if you're looking into 2019 and want a little bit of a defensive uh, position in your portfolio, Travelers is a good way to go. The ticker is TRV. I like the way you set that up too. Kind of thinking about what people need. You know, if you're looking to the next 12 months, 18 months, and you're a little worried about what's going to be happening with the stock market, you got to be thinking about what people are going to be continuing to buy. And to your point. Insurance isn't going anywhere, yeah. right? Well, you'll, you'll cut back on a lot of discretionary <laughs> spending before you start, you know, not paying your insurance premiums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's just it. If you if you have a mortgage, you don't really have a choice there either. You know, I mean, most people are just going to escrow that, and it's going to be part of their mortgage payment every month, and the bank is going to make sure uh, that it gets paid. 
Same thing with cars. You want to drive, you have to have insurance. And so they do a good job of packaging that stuff together, much like Progressive does. And so I think those are two insurers that uh, do a very good job of, of protecting that brand and, and uh, developing some customer loyalty there that, that plays out over long periods of time. Nick, were you thinking defensive too with your 2019 stock? Yeah, well, for my 2019 stock, I wanted to think about what is a big company that's going to be on everyone's kind of radar for the next year, and what is a company if we're going to watch it over the next year that has a lot of questions that need to be answered. And I think the company with the most questions in the stock market today is Facebook. Right, mm-hmm. Facebook's down close to 20 percent for the year. It's another one of these services where, as Jason mentioned, I mean, it's it's something that you're going to use every day. I think 20 percent of people worldwide use Facebook every single day. But we've got a lot of questions going on. Of course, this year we've had. Cambridge Analytica scandal, and then the response of Facebook uh, to that controversy. Uh, you know, uh, there were some issues with with going after George Soros. What what relation he might have to this stock? Um, uh, engaging some some lobbying groups called the Definers to see what they could do. And so that's raised some questions like, you know, does Sheryl Sandberg get fired after her response to these sorts of things? Is regulation going to come into place? As all these uh, all these um, legislatures have really started putting Facebook under a microscope. You know. I think what Zuckerberg testified in the UK. There's been a lot of, a lot of things going on there. Facebook has mentioned that their costs are going to increase significantly going forward. They've been, they've been signaling that for a while. How much are those going to, uh, uh, going to increase over time, and how are they going to handle them? Um, you know, Facebook is starting to test out some new services. Facebook dating is something that got mentioned. Is that how is that going to roll out over the long term? And Amazon is moving into advertising. How is that going to affect Facebook? Um, so we're really looking at a company that is just a massive. Global monopoly when it comes to social media, but there are a obnoxious number of questions facing the business that hopefully some of them get answered in 2019. But it'll be a fun story to watch for sure. What about uh, Facebook Portal? <laughs> the nobody's really. Bad. Yeah, I, 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 I saw the most perfectly heartwarming holiday ad, and you know it was like this grandson and grandfather like hanging out for the holidays, and then like you know the grandson being all disappointed that his grandfather wasn't there. And then the parents drop a Facebook portal, and they're you know basically skyping with each other, uh, <laughs> um, and you know they're they're trying to tug at those heartstrings. But I think that product gets at so many of the problems that people have with Facebook, and and it's same for dating, right? You know the idea that uh, this company has some privacy issues, and maybe people feel like it's a little too invasive; it knows a bit too much about them. And then, oh yeah, just take the smart device and put it in your living room. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna monitor you guys, right? Uh, it's the same thing for dating. I, I think people like having some walls between these different elements of their lives. And when a company has proven several times that maybe they aren't worthy of that trust, you start to run into issues when you're looking to expand that out. Yeah, how is it going to get turned around? I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting question. Um, definitely something to follow. You know, we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, uh, Microsoft under Balmer and kind of the issues, they kind of were like lost in the forest for a long period of time. And Facebook maybe is having some similar kind of growing pains. This is a company that's really grown uh, significantly over, over the first 10 years of it, its being around, but they're really, they're really struggling now. Are they going to have the kind of inspired leadership to reposition the company for growth over the long term, or are they going to kind of languish? You know, for the next year. And I'm a shareholder, and, and I think maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, this was a stock that I was like, this makes sense to me as a buy. You know, you look at their properties. Uh, at that time, you know, Facebook was very well monetized, and there was pretty high saturation in terms of ads. But it was early days for Instagram, and then they also had those two other big messaging properties that are now at over one billion monthly actives: uh, WhatsApp and Messenger. And you just think the monetization opportunities there are huge. Uh, 
we haven't really seen a lot of progress in turning those properties into cash machines the way that they have with their namesake platform. I think that that's something too that I'm I'm starting to worry about because Zuckerberg and and his management team they've had this very clear blueprint for how they like to monetize all these platforms. It's worked well with Facebook and it's worked really well with Instagram because they're very similar properties. Messaging properties are totally different. They're not newsfeed based. You know, you're only really going there when someone shoots you a message or you need to shoot someone a message. You're not idly scrolling. Yeah, the other thing to remember too is I mean Facebook will sit there and, and tout the fact that WhatsApp is fully encrypted and your your messaging is private and no one's going to get at it. But answer me this, like if they're going to monetize uh WhatsApp by advertising, well, that implies that someone is looking at your data in order to advertise in that in, in that thread. Now, I mean, I don't use any Facebook platforms at all. I, I mean, I shut Facebook down like a year ago. One of the best moves I ever made. I don't think messaging is gonna is going to monetize as as easily as Facebook or Instagram. I think they've got big challenges there between Messenger and WhatsApp. I think they overpaid for WhatsApp. I think they made that case long ago that it was going to be so valuable because 1 billion users was that number that they just kept throwing around. But we haven't seen anything to date that it is even close to, to coming uh, to worth it. I mean, Facebook itself, you know, I look at my kids, uh, two, two girls, 12 and 13 years old, they don't have Facebook and they don't want Facebook. They have Instagram. But I think that what we're going to see as time goes on, we're going to see Facebook become less and less relevant. Instagram is kind of the Facebook 2.0 until they screw that up and people defect and go somewhere else. Now, the somewhere else, it's going to be a lot more difficult for Facebook to make any of those future acquisitions because of what they've done to date. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I have a hard time. I think the low-hanging fruit maybe has been picked. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they have something in the back of their mind that they're thinking of that, that uh, will, will make some sense of, of those properties that they have. But, but I'm, I'm not sold yet. A big question is, I mean, particularly, I mean, in the U.S. and Europe, there's really been a huge pushback against Facebook. But I mean, the real growth opportunities for them going forward are going to be overseas. I mean, they yeah. have 300 million users in India. That gives them, as more folks get get internet access, that's a billion user upside just in that country alone. So there there are a lot of issues in the U.S. We have questions of what regulations are going to look like. But the real story, if we're looking at Facebook's growth over the next five, ten years, it's going to be outside the U.S. It's going to be outside of Europe. It's going to be in these Asian, you know. Areas. Well, on the user side, you know, you have to remember the average revenue per user in the US, Canada, and Europe is dramatically higher than mm-hmm. most other markets. And it's just because the ad market there is so valuable, so compelling. So, you know, it takes a lot more users in developing markets to match any losses they have in their more saturated, more mature markets. This is all to say that <laughs> <laughs> we can do an entire episode yeah. just on this. And I have. Uh, yeah, I'm you sure. know, um, it's one of my favorite companies to talk about because yeah. you have this so much potential, but man, you guys just got to stop stepping in it. You yep. know, you, you got you got to yes. figure this out. Um, Shannon, what what are you watching in 2019? What's the company that you're really interested in? Yeah, so this is actually a company really in the healthcare space. You really haven't had to worry much about until now. <laughs> um, and so, this will probably come as no surprise, but that is actually Amazon. Mm-hmm. So, Amazon's foray into healthcare is, I think, really ramping up, especially in 2018. Um, in January, it was Amazon, Berkshire, and JPM announced they were forming a new nonprofit <laughs> partnership to actually tackle one of the biggest challenges in the healthcare space, and that's, of course, the cost of healthcare, the cost of drugs. Um, and so they are really going after disrupting healthcare, and they want to provide lower cost care and improved outcomes 
within their companies. And I think combined, they've got maybe about a million employees. So they've got enough people to actually see if this works. But you could easily see that then expanding. And you know Amazon, you know they're going to go after just about any target that they can get to. And healthcare is one of those that certainly needs it. Um, also, too, of course, they uh, hired a CEO in June, uh, Atul Gawande. And he's a surgeon professor. He's also an accomplished book author. <laughs> um, he's done so many things, but he's got an extensive background. Um, I think he's still going to be practicing at least part-time. So I don't know how much commitment he'll actually give to this joint venture. And so the details have been a little scant. Um, but I think that's the, the first at least sign that they you know they're heading in that direction. The second and probably the largest step for Amazon is actually their acquisition of PillPack. And so this was an acquisition for a little less than a billion dollars. And it came after rumors emerged that they were planning to enter the pharmacy market space. So right now, about 40 million Americans take five or more prescription medications a day. Like That's an astounding number. Half of those actually fail to even keep up with that schedule. Wow, that's insane. Uh, so it's insane. So adherence is a huge issue, PillPack actually developed this automated scheduling system where basically it synchronizes your prescriptions, so they're all on schedule, it renews your prescriptions ahead of time, it bills your insurance company, it communicates with patients, it'll send you a text when they ship. And so now, with this acquisition, a lot of the retail pharmacies are certainly uh, being mindful of what this means. This is a huge threat. Um, I think combined with the joint venture, I don't know how they're going to make it Nonprofit, but we'll see how that goes. Plus, also to this pill pack uh, acquisition, I think 2019 is really the year that you'll start to see Amazon becoming a much stronger healthcare player in the space. As if they needed to be in one more market. <laughs> My gosh, I mean, like who who is Amazon proof at this point? You know, exactly. Uh, they're everywhere. And at what point do they get too big? And now you've got the regulators knocking on their doors too. So we've heard some folks calling for them to spin off AWS. You know, next year we'll see if that happens. Interesting to follow. And they can afford to do that, right? Like AWS could stand alone on its own if regulators were to step in and say, you've got to break some of this up. It could work. Yeah. I mean, AWS by itself is probably a top 10 market cap company on the stock market today. I mean, in the ballpark there. Yeah. And that kind of ties into what I'm watching in, in tech a little bit this year. Uh, I think, to Jason's point, I think earlier of the low hanging fruit being taken. Uh, the easy days of growth for a lot of these tech companies are over. You know, regulators have caught up to everything that can happen on their platforms, and so it is no longer the wild, wild west in terms of oh, we're just a social media company. Oh, we're just providing search results. No, I mean you're providing information and you're providing news to people, and there's a certain responsibility that comes with that, especially when people can use it as maliciously as uh, some people have. So I think for Facebook, Google, and, and I think Amazon to a certain extent too, with you know potential antitrust issues, the more spaces they get into, uh, certainly the more they're going to be in the crosshairs there. Um, looking at individual stocks, I do have one to watch uh, as well. A little bit lighter note, something to be excited about. <laughs> uh, and my stock to watch in 2019 is DocuSign. Uh, this yeah. is a company that uh, I've talked about on the show. I know it's a premium rec and at least one service. Um, but for the folks that aren't familiar with DocuSign, it is an e-signature company. And basically, this is a software-as-a-service business, helps with document management. And they take all these agreements, all these contracts that need to be signed, and turn them digital. Uh, and they're growing revenue to about 30%. 90% of the revenue is recurring. They have a dollar-based net retention rate of 115%. Uh, a lot of the signs that you like to see in a subscription model, 
Uh, they went public earlier in 2018, so we're still within that first year of uh, you know reporting results and seeing how management handles things. But we're getting past the point where things are really frenzied. There's a lot of hype, and I think that you know if you're looking to buy into uh, you know a relatively new company and some small positions over time might be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, that's one we got to use a little bit. We uh, we bought a new house in 2017 up here, and DocuSign was part of that process, and it was very seamless. I mean, it was it was you know it made things a lot easier because I remember in 2010 when we moved up here and we were trying to find a house to buy, and it like apparently you had to send faxes. You couldn't do anything <laughs> over email; it all had to be faxed, and it would just be fuddling. Um, but I mean, DocuSign really seems to have have taken over and as a, a reliable and secure way to to do all of that. And that's exactly what you want to see with a SaaS company: is take something that frankly stinks to, to, yeah. to have to do, you know, is either offline or is really jumbled and make it simple and streamlined. If you can do that, you'll get pretty good adoption uh, and, and you'll get some really big partners on board. You know, if you start seeing uh, the vanguards of the world, you know, like these huge enterprise companies that uh, need to regularly push contracts and agreements out to people and they're using this type of software, that's an indicator that it's catching on. I, I think one of the reasons I like them so much is they're really a first mover in this space. Uh, there aren't a lot of other players there, uh, and I think they are going to kind of become the default, which is something that you love to see. They're still small enough that they can multiply a couple times. Uh, really interesting business. I think we now use that as a verb around here. Can yeah. you docusign this? <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a valid point. We use that here at HQ, and, and I mean, there are a lot of businesses that we first use. As employees, you know, mm -hmm. Zendesk is used by our customer service team. That's been an incredible software as a service stock to own. Slack, Slack, uh, you know, Okta has been uh, a pretty interesting stock as well. That's something that I first got a glimpse of because we use it here at HQ. Uh, just a good reminder to kind of keep your eyes peeled for the stocks uh, that maybe you don't even realize are stocks and are just services in your everyday life. Yeah, I feel like Zillow tried to get into that. They bought Dot Loop a while back, but I mean, having. Uh Having dealt with that in selling our home in Georgia when we moved up here, that dot loop was really not a good experience at all. Like I don't even know that I don't even know that they're really doing a whole heck of a lot with it now. I mean, I guess to date Zillow is really more than anything just real estate advertising, but it seems to me like DocuSign has taken over that conversation, which kind of makes me wonder what is Zillow doing with dot loop, if anything at all at this point. Yeah, I haven't heard much on yeah. it. So so I'm gonna assume DocuSign is <laughs> continuing to <laughs> lead the pack. You want to switch gears and talk reckless predictions for 2019? You guys have anything sure. interesting for us? <laughs> why not? Yeah, why don't you go first, Jason? All right. Well, um, everybody always talks about Apple buying Tesla. Apple needs to buy Tesla, and this blah blah blah. So I, I'm going to say Apple's going to buy something else. Okay. I think perhaps that 2019 is the year that Apple tries to acquire Square, um, and I think that's for a number of different reasons. But one of them is I just feel like they seem very compatible from a hardware perspective. Um, anywhere you go, when you see Square hardware installed at a merchant's uh, store, it either looks like it's Apple or it has an iPad or something integrated with it. Uh, and given Dorsey's uh, love of Apple hardware as well, I, I could see where he wouldn't mind collaborating with them a little bit. But also, I think that with these companies, Apple, uh, Microsoft even to an extent, I think when they're looking to figure out ways to grow, to generate new income streams, payments is just a really big part of that. And, and I think there was a time where one of those businesses could have acquired PayPal. I think PayPal is too big and they can't do that now. Square is still 
maybe about a third the size of, of American or uh, of PayPal. And so I think that maybe uh, there is the opportunity out there to bring a payments company into Apple, give them a new revenue stream of something that really is only growing. Uh, so yeah, that's 2019 is going to be the year that Apple tries to buy Square. I was wondering if we were going to be able to get through this whole taping without you talking about payments. Oh. <laughs> no, come on, man! It's like listeners at home, you can drink now. <laughs> it's been hit. Uh, Nick, what are you recklessly predicting for 2019? Yeah, so so 2018 was kind of a year of rule changes, right? So we saw marijuana being legalized in Canada. We saw the tariffs in the USA, and then the rule change that I want to talk about is sports betting. So back in May. Uh, Christie versus NCAA, uh, the Supreme Court lifted uh, PASPA, which is a 25-year-old ban in sports betting outside of Nevada. And we've seen seven. Uh, so my prediction is that we're going to see 25 or more states have legal, legalized sports betting by the end of 2019. Uh, currently, we have seven states that are legal. That's Nevada, Delaware, New Jersey, Mississippi, West Virginia, New Mexico, and Rhode Island. Um, there's already a bill in place in New York that had legalized sports betting at select locations in 2015. That didn't quite get to a vote last year. So one of the reasons I think we're going to see a wave this year is that the Supreme Court case came in late May um, of last year. And if you know the calendars of most state legislatures, they typically run uh, from mid-January to around end of May, early June. So there just wasn't a lot of time to get through the full cycle uh, to pass the legislation needed to legalize um, sports betting at, at a wide scale. But according to ESPN, uh, over 21 states in D.C. had a bill in the pipeline last year that didn't make it through or have dropped the bill um, this fall that's going to hit the legislative term coming forward. I think this is going to be a major trend. Um, it opens up new revenue for states, particularly as they take a cut of the, of the uh, revenue that the casinos get. Um, according to Deloitte, it's going to be a significant driver of TV traffic. Um, so, according to Deloitte, uh, U.S. sports betting will drive 40% of all TV watching by men 25 to 34 years old, and that 64% of American men ages 25 to 34 who watch sports on TV will also bet on sports. So, it's going to be a, a big driver for TV watching. Everybody's talking about live sports being the real source for, for live, uh, live entertainment today, where the real demand is coming from, and sports betting is only going to amplify that. And I think that's part of why, when, when this case was le- uh, passed back in May, that Mark Cuban said, uh, he thinks the value of a sports of the average sports franchise is going to double as a result of the sports betting legalization taking place. So I think it's a wave we're going to see this year. It's always it's always reckless to gamble on legislatures doing anything quickly, um, but but I think the dominoes are kind of set up for for a wave to occur and really to drive a change in how sports are consumed. Oh boy, I bet Mark Cuban would like to see the average value of a franchise <laughs> yeah. double as the uh, proud owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the main beneficiaries there, is that going to be the casinos? Are, they, are there companies that work in this space in the U.S. now that are going to just hop right in? Sure. So, what we've seen so far is that uh, casinos that have partnered with DraftKings and FanDuel have, at least in New Jersey, absorbed an outsized amount of the benefit uh, of the legalization of sports betting. So, that's the trend we've seen so far. Um, we do have MGM has partnered with every major sports league except for the NFL to, to use their data there. The first major business that's really done that. I, I think the Stars Group just reached a deal with the NBA. Um, so, and a part of this is going to be what does this legislation look like? It depends what the states decide to do. So, in some states, we've had we've had sports betting confined to racetracks or confined to on-site casinos. Um, I, I think the uh, the states where it, it is is legal for mobile uh, betting, that's probably where there's going to be a more outsized um, benefit to sports betting in the short term. But it's just going to depend what form these these laws take place, who the beneficiaries are going to be. I would expect uh, the mobile operators to really be the ones that to absorb most of the benefit, but we'll just have to see. Shannon, 
What do you got for 2019? All right, I've got a really reckless one. Um, so, you know, we couldn't get through an episode without talking about Tesla at yes. some point. Um, so, my reckless prediction is that Tesla will throw its name into the ring to disrupt healthcare. Wow. Wow. I like it. I think, and this is even more reckless, I think next year, after they go through restructuring and all of that that's required, they come out on the other end of this, a brand new company, a brand new focus, they become like a Tesla bio blockchain, if you will. (laughs) But it's not really as far-fetched as you think. So right now, Tesla actually is, they have already started setting up medical clinics that are employee exclusive already. So they've got an orthopedic surgeon running it. They've got their own healthcare providers. We know that Elon Musk loves to disrupt an industry where he sees inefficiencies. He's going to go for it. I think this could be the first step. On top of that, um, obviously, as we've talked about, healthcare is ripe for innovation. We know there's a lot of middlemen in the middle, so pharmacy benefit managers, the ones that are really serving between the drug manufacturers and the insurers trying to negotiate discounts. I could see that being completely cut out. And where there's a middleman, I think Musk goes after it. Um, Also, too, the healthcare space is rife with regulators. We know Elon Musk loves to pick a good fight with a regulator on Twitter. Where else could you do that but in healthcare? So, all in all, I think you've got kind of uh, uh, a company right now that there's a lot going on with it, but it would not surprise me to see them throwing their hat in the ring on healthcare. I mean, Amazon's got their own clinics. Um, Apple actually has their own clinics, too, both of which are starting to jump into healthcare. It would not surprise me to see Tesla do so, too. Boy, Tesla is, uh, I've sold my Tesla shares, but it's still a source of so much anxiety for me. I, I hit a point uh, earlier this month, actually, where I was just I was just fed up with fed it. Fed up. I, could, I couldn't word. do it anymore. <laughs> I was sitting on decent returns, and I was like, you know what? Uh, they're long-term returns. I'm not going to get crushed on my capital gains. I have some stuff that I'm interested in buying uh, with some of the sell-off. And they seemed impervious to the sell-off. They were they were still <laughs> up. So I, I decided to sell, I, namely because it was tough for me to stay behind Elon Musk, honestly, with a lot of the stuff that he's been doing recently. So, you know, I would love to see them take on that kind of stuff. I'd also <laughs> like to see them hit their car deliveries and <laughs> Wouldn't we all maintain <laughs> consistent profitability. We'll see if that happens, though. But I, too, will be watching. <laughs> Tesla quite a bit. Um, My reckless prediction is a non-stock reckless prediction. And this is something that you could all have a hand in. Uh, And and based on track record, I don't know if it's going to hold. But my reckless prediction is that all current industry-focused hosts (laughs) will be hosting a show at this point in 2019. I'll put money on that. I think you're I'd right. I put money that on the table for that. That was also my reckless prediction. <laughs> oh, Austin Morgan. Oh, I stole your thunder, huh, Austin? <laughs> yeah. I will say we will probably have one more host in the studio next year. Ooh. Well, I, I would like to see that. You know, listeners might know that Vince Shen has uh, left the fool and is doing some awesome traveling uh, with his wife, and we wish him the best, but puts us in a position now where we have four hosts and five shows, uh, which is not a one-to-one ratio, <laughs> as it turns out. And so, for at least the beginning of 2019, uh, we're going to be doing some hosting by committee to manage that. But we're hoping that within the full ranks, we have someone out there that might be interested in hosting our consumer good show. Until then, get used to hearing all of these voices a little bit more often. Uh, before we wrap the show, why don't we hit people with some resolutions? Some some financial resolutions, some non-financial resolutions. This is going to be airing 
just a couple days before New Year's Eve, and people want some guidance. I think we have to start with Jason Moser's former <laughs> New Year's resolution, <laughs> just to set the stage. Well, I'm pretty sure I set this precedent on market foolery like a couple of years ago, but I mean, it was it was a time in my life where I was eating probably a few too many Jolly Rangers. <laughs> And my wife, you know, she would kind of make fun of me. That now, let me be very clear. When it comes to, to dental care, oral health care, I'm very fastidious. I mean, I brush and I can't go to sleep without flossing. So this was not a dentist mandated thing. I just decided, hey, let me try. Let me see if I want to quit Jolly Rangers. Can I do it? And I went the whole year, didn't eat one. And I mean, that was from like going from like ten to fifteen a day down to zippy. So I was proud of myself for being able to do that. Now, with that said, I have a few Jolly Ranchers in my pocket right now. I'd be one lying right if I told now. you I haven't eaten one today. <laughs> but, you know, that's just where I'm coming from on a perspective of, of, of resolutions. I mean, it can be big or small. It doesn't have to be finance related. It's about figuring out a way to make yourself a better person, right? You know, there are <laughs> one Jolly Rancher. <laughs> exactly. At a time, and that's, I'm not anti Jolly Rancher. Don't get me wrong. There are so many other turns that could have taken with there was a time in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that was the most perfectly innocent way you could have wrapped that up. That could have been uh, so much worse. As, as pits go, I think you, you lucked out. Well, I'm back on the Jolly Rangers, baby. I'm all right. With it. <laughs> Do you have something for 2019 that you'd like to fix? Okay. I'm, I'm going to say something I have been studying a decent bit this year, and it, it is somewhat work related, and hopefully we'll be able to help members out with this information as well, is I want to learn more about this burgeoning space market. Um, I read a book this year called The uh, the Space Barons, and it was a book by Christian Davenport on Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and um, Richard Branson. And it, it just it talked about their race to space and kind of the things that they're doing. And to me, you know, when I think about what Jeff Bezos is doing and his goal to basically push industrialization out into space off of the planet. Um, these bold you want to talk about reckless prediction. I mean he's calling <laughs> for like the earth there will one day be one trillion human beings. And obviously they can't live here. So we're going to be an interplanetary species at some point. And so I mean it's early days as far as public style investments that we can really sink our teeth into, but those those investments are coming. And after interviewing Christian Davenport, after reading the book, and I mean I just I love the whole concept of space and what, everything that's out there. I really want to dig in and learn more about that market this coming year uh, to be able to bring more to to members and and uh, you know hopefully uncover some good ideas. I like that. That's yeah. a good one. I'd sign up for that, Jason. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, what are you aiming to be better at or fix in 2019? Yeah, I think for me it's it's a small thing but it's something kind of like Jason I want to take control of this is to stop drinking so much coffee um, in one of our prior episodes Nick talked about the price of coffee going exorbitantly high in Venezuela and that also brought it back to mind like you know what I pay way too much for my coffee I really need to stop this but no I, I think I'm drinking right now maybe two to three cups a day um, which started back in college. I mean, you had to make it through coursework, and it has just stuck on through my professional career. So I want to pair back. Um, I don't know what an alternative is. So listeners, Jolly if you're out Rangers. there, <laughs> it's not Jolly Ranchers, but send me some ideas because I am looking just to cut back caffeine in general. Nick, what about you? Yeah, for me, you know, Jason mentioned the Space Barons book. I just want to read more. I mean, I've you know, Shannon mentioned in one of our previous episodes, Bad Blood, I've had that sitting on my nightstand for a good month and a half. 
Um, you know, I just finished reading uh, Bethany McLean's Saudi Amer- a book, Saudi America, about the kind of emergence of fracking and where that's going into the future. That really kind of taught me a lot about the backbone of that industry and kind of where it's going, particularly you know how it's financed and where that's going uh, in the future. So, I think really just reading more, particularly in spaces that I, I'm not as familiar with, um, just to kind of grow that knowledge base and. You know, when you kind of build up these things, sometimes you make connections that weren't there. So, you know, I just spent, you know, an earlier episode talking a little bit about Mohammed bin Salman. That was one of the features in uh, in that uh, Saudi America book read earlier this year. So, just kind of building that knowledge base and being diligent about doing it every day is what I'm kind of trying to do over the next year. For me, in terms of improvement, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of knocked out the financial resolutions at this point. You know, I've, I've gotten to the point where I can afford to fully max, you know, the, the contributions that I make to my 401k beyond just employer match, which is great. Um, I've focused on you know some other financial resolutions in terms of saving, and I think my one last year was to update all of my important passwords and have it be some nice kind of That's coherent system so that I can <laughs> remember them and not have them saved on some like Google Drive folder. Um, I'm going to go back to the finances a little bit this year and kind of focus a little bit more. I've I've noticed that I'm wasting a lot of money on food, uh, in in the sense that I'm buying groceries and then perhaps not using them. Uh, and I have stuff that is spoiling. And, and actually, it's one of the largest sources of, of waste, uh, both financially and physically, um, in the country. And so I'd like to try to be a little bit more judicious about what I'm bringing into the house and what I'm actually cooking and using, because I'm realizing that I'm throwing out a decent amount of produce that has just gone too bad. Now, is your move to go to the store and buy like a few days' worth of food or... Are you more like, I'm going to do this for dinner tonight, and then you stop by the store on the way home? So, I don't have an excuse, because I live right around the corner from a giant. Uh. <laughs> and so, it's it's a four-minute walk uh, for me to get to the Columbia Heights Giant in D.C. And so, it is easy enough for me to get off the metro and pick up what I need to get. I think what it's going to look like is uh, tracking my spending on groceries and seeing what it looks like, and then doing a perhaps bi-weekly clean of my shelves at the fridge at mm-hmm. my house and make sure that... I am not throwing out the same things over and over again. Uh, what I hope doesn't happen is that I wind up just going full prepper mode and getting all cans of things that won't uh, go bad because my sodium will probably go up. You know, preparing for the apocalypse. <laughs> We're all going to Dylan's house. <laughs> yeah, for the end. Come bunker down with me, um, Austin Morgan. You've been quiet so far in these taping sessions. Do you have a resolution for 2019, financial or otherwise? Uh, my resolution is not financial. My resolution is to pick up a new hobby that's not so taxing on the old skin bag. Because <laughs> all of my hobbies right now, sports and snowboarding and all that stuff, is taking its toll. Yeah, it can Comes be rough. With age. You're getting older, Austin. Yeah, I'm not a... <laughs> 22 anymore. No spring chicken. No. I I hear you. I I play soccer once a week, and when winter comes around, I snowboard. And those first couple times out, after not doing it for a little while, your knees really start to feel it in a way that uh, they didn't about five years ago. Watercolors, man. Watercolors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, take some lessons (laughs) with J-Mo. That'll keep you going. I don't know about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Any ideas on what that resolution might look like? What activity you might be getting into? I think the front runner right now is learning to smoke meat. Because I feel like that's a full that's like that's a You're full day stop thing. And smoke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if you want to, if you want to join, do one one time. Oh, uh, yeah. Where's uh, going? I have a smoker at my house. There you go. So yeah, we, I have a friend who every time we have an event, he brings some ridiculously good meat that he spent all day making, and it's mind-blowingly good. 
So I'm like, I would like to be able to do that because that doesn't hurt. Place in Manassas called Dizzy Pig. They make these just terrific spice concoctions, uh, but they do classes all the time. They have they have at their uh, at their store. So check them out on Twitter. Take Dizzy Pig note. Barbecue. Right. It's good and, stuff. And check us out on Twitter. Yeah, at not? MF Industry Focus. We're lonely. If you want some progress, <laughs> you can get some. We'll start retweeting some of your watercolors so people can get a sense of what those look like, Jason. That was my New Year's resolution last year: was to get back onto that. Why well, I'd done it for a while, and then with kids and moving, and it just everything kind of ground to a halt. So I, I feel like that was a resolution fulfilled. I think you nailed it. Well, thanks. As a, thanks. As a follower of you on Twitter, I saw well, it. I, am, I am, in fact, getting older, and, and just getting out of bed hurts. So <laughs> the watercolors <laughs> thing is, just, you know, it's working out. <laughs> Uh, listeners, we would love to hear what resolutions you have in store. If there's anything interesting that we might have missed with any of our breakdowns of the year that was in 2018 and what to look forward to in 2019, you can write in at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at MF Industry Focus to do that. Of course, we'd like to wish you guys all a happy new year, happy holidays. Hope you're yes. enjoying it and being safe. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass in all of 2018, in addition to just today. For all the hosts, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!